Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, I'm Sean Callahan, And I'm Mark Shank. And we've been getting some really good feedback from people that our objective of helping build people's business story repertoires is in fact working and that people are using the podcast stories in their own business circumstances. Just yesterday, I was talking to a coaching client. She runs a business up in Queensland and she'd taken her team across to Great Keppel Island, beautiful place. I'd uh, like to go there, do a bit of diving whilst uh, you know, team building and diving. Sounds good. And it was the purpose of the offsite was to get a team together, build relationships and tackle a, a couple of thorny problems. She started the meeting by uh, using the 9-11 story, talking about how collaboration is a really important factor in helping teams tackle complex situations. And that part of the offsite purpose was to help build the relationships that would help them run the business do, do effectively. those collaborations right yeah. and so it was great uh, her feedback that she received from people were was how effective the story was and how they liked it and how engaging it was and really set the scene fantastic isn't that great when you actually seen people you know sort of take put, these little anecdotes and use them and put stories to work yeah yeah no that's terrific that's terrific hey mark we've got this great treat for us today and we I like I was, treats. I was in uh, Auckland uh, last week and while I was there, I took a bit of time to go and visit uh, one of our clients, uh, Jerry Lynch. Oh, yes, Jerry. You're right. Remember now, Jerry was uh, the general manager for Mars for a number of years. He's just moved on to a new role. And I thought, okay, I'll get him in those early days where he's not totally flat chatting crazy. And just asked him to tell a story that he would tell or he had told in the days that he was at Mars. And... It's interesting, a little context there. I mean, Jerry, when he was uh, working at Mars, had a terrific sort of growth in that business and, and really had a, had a big impact. But one of the things I do remember is that I think it was over the last three years, Mars New Zealand was actually named the best place to work in the whole country of New Zealand. So, Have they got any vacancies? Yeah, exactly. Line up. The thing there is that, you know, it's so much a principle-driven organisation, but they had such a great leadership team and I was lucky enough to work with those guys. But here we're going to hear uh, Jerry, you know, who uh, will you know share one of his stories, and then I'm kind of uh, for us to then have a chat about it and do our normal thing, right? Find out why these things work. Fantastic! I'm really looking forward to hearing one of our clients about how they've used stories in their business. Let's go. Let's go to Jerry. Uh, I'm Jerry Lynch. I'm the uh, CEO of Delmain Fine Foods, two weeks in so far. Two weeks um, in. And I met Sean at, uh, at Mars. I've been through the uh, storytelling training. Fantastic. And I guess what today we really want to hear one of the stories that you've shared. Was it in your Mars experience that you were doing this? Yeah, so this is a story told in, in, in Mars um, Quite a famous story within Mars. So it's, it's around the principles. So Mars have five principles, and one of those principles, which is probably a little bit different to values or principles elsewhere, is, is the mutuality principle. Yeah, right. Um, what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> so, so, you know, what they talk about is a, a, a mutual um, mutuality is around a, a shared benefit. So, and a shared benefit endures. So, where it's, where it's either favouring the company or favouring customer or supplier, then there's always that um, you know, potential risk of it not lasting. You know, if, um, you know, but whereas if you feel that it's mutual, you feel you've got a benefit and you feel the customer's got a benefit, 
then you know that uh, you're both happy and, you, and that's likely to endure. If one person feels out of whack, yeah. then it's, there's always going to be a tension. It's probably not going to last. That's so true, isn't it? I mean, especially you know, with partners as well as customers. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's everyone you do, you're dealing with, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it's a great... You know, I, I, I live it in my life because I always believe in... You know, it's, it's essentially fairness, you know. That's right. what mutuality really is, yeah, it's fairness. Yeah, good. So, yeah. Well, let's, let's hear you, sorry, you might have to provide a little bit of context, but okay, uh, yeah. lay it on us. So it's, it's, uh, the story comes from 1998, so, and it, uh, it refers to a, the Mars Russian business. So it was just building in, in 1998, and Mars has, has got a history of really investing in, in countries for the long term. And, and as you may, may be aware, 1998 in Russia was, uh, was the year that the, uh, the ruble crashed. Russia defaulted on its debt. So uh, you know, interest rates were raised to about 150%. Um, investors fled. Uh, inflation peaked at about 84%. Uh, and many of the banks closed. But uh, many of Mars's um, competitors literally just retrenched back to US or Europe. So it was a really tough time. And... You know, the, the management team were just sitting there thinking, you know, what do we do? You know, what do you do in that situation yeah. where your business is crumbling around you? And, you know, Mars was in, was in a position where its distributors just, you know, the money dr- uh, dried up, you know, so yeah. their customers weren't paying them. So the cash flow literally in the whole chain just dried up. And they were on the verge of bankrupt, this, uh, you know, the, one of their main distributors. John Mars came across, you know, because it was a major crisis within the business. And uh, he sat down with, uh, with the management team, you know, and his view was that, you know, we've been with Russia, you know, it's been good up until then, you know, we've been with them in the good times and, you know, Mars is there for the long term. You know, his view was it's not an option that we pull out. We're not going to do what our competitors have done and just retrench back to Europe and, and pull out of the country. Yes, that would save the business money in the short term and you know, limit the risk, but that's not what Mars does and, and that's not mutual. You know, you talked about mutuality with, uh, you know, the partners who have supported us. This, this di- distributor who's a main distributor has been supporting us through second thing. Yeah. And then the first sign of crisis, we, you know, run for the hills. So his view was, you know, you've got to figure out a way to make this work. And you've got, you've got the scope to think about what could work. So, you know, the management team went away and thought, you know, how do we, how do we get out of this, this hole? And, um, you know, what they, they came back with was, you know, uh, what the distributor actually called quite an, a logical uh, thing to do, which was um, they came back and said, look, you can have the stock, we'll, we'll produce the stock, we'll give you the stock, and you don't have to pay us until you've been paid by your customers. Really? So, um, you know, that's co- completely against how business was working at the time in terms of, you know, get, getting the, obviously your cash in and this was going the completely opposite direction. So, and that's, the distributor had literally 3,000 3, customers that stopped paying literally within a few days. So to actually have stock and then to, for that distributor to be able to pass on the same sort of thing to their customers actually kept the business alive and kept, you know, cash flowing throughout the system. Wow. So it was, a, it was a pretty bold move where everyone else had just pulled the pin. And, you know, what happened was not only did it keep the distributor in business and kept essentially Mars in business, but the distributor built, you know, they were one of the only ones that was able to sell stock because yes. you know, everyone else had gone under. And they became stronger and, you know, the loyalty then back to Mars in terms of 
the mutual benefit meant that they could actually then, um, you know, they, they were a partner for Mars long term. And, and what it ended up being is that as Mars built the business over the years, you know, Mars's position in the market was very, very strong because they had a really strong supporter in, in yeah. the distributor. You know, they knew that in tough times, Mars would stand by them and, and they would do the same for Mars. So I thought it was, it was a great example of, of, of really mutuality and thinking out of the box when a crisis comes along and not just doing what everyone else does. So tell me, when, when, have you, when were the situations where you would tell that story? I've told that story in Mars where um, we've had similar challenges with a customer, where a customer's maybe tried to demand too much of us. And I've said to the, you know, I've, I've shared this with this example with, with associates to, to say that here's the example in terms of where it works. How do we, how do we, we had this very similar story in, in, um, in our business where one of our customers was telling us that we couldn't sell our product to another customer. Right. And, and they were a much smaller customer. They said, look, if you support that smaller customer, we're going to stop supporting you on promotion and you know, give you the ends you wanted. You know, and I, I went back to the, you know, the, the salesperson and said, look, you know, is that mutual? How can you, you know, the, the small customer, can you go and feel mutual with them to say that you can't sell it to them because the big customers told you not to? And they said, well, no, I can't. Well, okay, well then in my mind, if we can't live the mutuality principle, we have to go back to the bigger customer and say, if they don't want to support us, that's their choice. Um, but, you know, they can't tell us who to support in terms of other, small, other smaller customers. So, and, and, you know, we did that. Um, they threatened to obviously not support us. In the end, they backed down. And I think what it did is it sent, it sent the signal back to sales that you know, when we stood by our principles, yeah, sometimes you might lose, but generally you're going you're gonna to win in the long term. And, yeah. and um, they supported us. So, and we, you know, we had the best of both worlds in terms of both customers getting, getting the product. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Jerry. That's that's a tremendous example, and I love that. You know how that has an impact in in your business at that time. Mark and I are going to have a chat now about the how that story actually works as a story, right? And um, and you'll be able to hear us uh, chatting about. I'm going to spring this on Mark and just sort of say, "Here's the story. What do you reckon?" Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Wow, that was that was a fantastic story. In fact, two fantastic stories there. Really enjoyed those. So thanks for the little surprise there, Sean, and uh, uh, and anytime. thanks Jerry for uh, for sharing that story or those two stories. Loved them. Reminded me of a whole bunch of examples that I've had in my experience where where values have been well applied and uh, equally where values have been poorly applied <laughs> yes. or where there was no values in place. Yeah. So. What are some of the things that really uh, that we liked about that story that made it work? Yeah, look, I guess for me, one of the things that jumped out at me is that just having those specific data points. You know, it's 1998, the ruble crashes. You know, the inflation goes up to... 84%. 84%, that's right. I can't imagine 84% inflation. It's crazy. It is crazy, right. So it's, I think, having data in your uh, stories just increases the credibility, right? And also the impact because it's such a significant figure. Yes, yeah, exactly. You're sort of looking at it and going, oh my God, you know, did that actually happen? I want to make sure we don't skip past your point about credibility because that data really does add to the believability, the plausibility of the story. Yes. And it's an important point to note is that having the data is an important part of getting, effectively telling a story. Yeah. Good. I think the other one for me too is the solution, you know, with the distributor goes against business 
principles, right? You just, you know, the idea of just making your product freely available to your distributor on the basis that, well, you know, pay it back when you get paid, probably in full knowledge that you may not get anything. Precisely. It wasn't even that pay us when you'll get paid. There was the full knowledge that many of those suppliers would not be able to pay and they would never get the money. But they took a long-term view. Yes. And it is really counterintuitive. If you went, if you proposed that as part of your uh, MBA uh, at Harvard, you would fail. Yeah. They would laugh <laughs> you out of the class, right? Yep. That's it. Exactly. So I think that was good. So it's, it's really this idea that it's getting an insight. You're, the story is providing this insight. There's a lovely quote by uh, Gary Klein. Uh, he's a, a psychologist. Uh, he's written some terrific books. Um, but he sort of said that insight is when you unexpectedly discover a better story. And I think that's sort of what you're getting with it when you're hearing about the, oh, we're going to make the, the product freely available on the basis that you know, pay it back when you get paid. For a business person to hear that, that's going to tweak their brain a little bit, isn't it? It's going to yeah. go, oh, geez, I didn't think about that as an idea. Yeah. And uh, it also takes me back to uh, listening to the podcast, uh, NPR podcast, How I Built This uh, with Guy Ross as the, as the uh, host. And a number of the people who've uh, been on the show who are successful doing things that are completely counterintuitive. Investing straight after the, the global financial crisis in 2008. Uh, right. Expanding their business at a time when everyone was shrinking it uh, as an opportunity to, to take market share when, uh, when things are going badly. Oh, well, maybe that's the uh, little hint there, right? Indeed. Think about what everyone else is Indeed. doing and do the opposite. That sounds like a George Costanza approach. <laughs> well, yeah. one of the things that I liked about the story is, firstly, it was a very impactful story. I was, I was really engaged throughout it. And I could imagine Jerry telling that to those salespeople, but also in the telling of it, not just influencing them about how they addressed the situation and what they went back to the client with, but also their ability to then tell that story on to other people and to use it themselves. And even if they weren't very good storytellers. They could do it. They could totally do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and so, get that's a true. similar impact because the story itself has so much potential, so much uh, meaning and value. Yeah, most definitely. I also like the fact that you know, you're telling a story in an organization like Mars and it's a Mars story. So Just I think, like us. Yeah, so the idea that, oh, could this really happen? Or those sort of questions get uh, totally dissolved because, no, we've, we actually did it in our organisation. There's no translation required. That's right. This is not a theoretical, or oh, maybe this will work. It's completely uh, concrete. Yeah. We've tried this. It works. Yeah. The I think there's a leadership lesson in here too that you could even draw out as a different business point for this story, right? And the leadership lesson could be around how important it is not to tell your people what to do, but almost like set up the situation in an intriguing way that they have to really think hard on a solution. So John Mars, when he was in Russia, he didn't sort of say, okay, guys, what you need to do is make your product freely available to your distributor. He says, no, no, this is, this is our principle. I want you guys to work out a good way forward, what's a sustainable way forward in the long term. And in the same way, Jerry sort of had that same flavour about it, probably not as a little bit more directive, I think, in his questions, the way he told the story uh, for his salespeople. But he was also giving his salespeople that freedom to go, okay, no, you're right, we really shouldn't be cutting out the little guy. Indeed. You know what I'm saying? It's the principle of show, don't tell. Mm. So he's not telling them what to do, nor did John Mars. He just basically put the value on the table, the the mutuality principle on the table, and then challenged the leaders to 
figure out how do we apply the mutuality principle effectively in this situation? Yep. What are our choices? And giving them the opportunity to find, you know, to figure out what's the uh, the appropriate response. Yes. No, that's so true. So that's, uh, I think it's um, a tr- one of those terrific stories. So is there any other places we would where that story could be told, do you think? Or If I was in the situation where I was introducing values to a company and I was facing some resistance where people were going, why would we bother with values? Let's just get on and you know, do what we do. And you could use the mutuality principle Russia story as an example of how values can help you make both short-term decisions, but also important strategic long-term decisions. Yes. And this is the sort of reason that we would have value. So I would use this as an example to illustrate not just what the value is, but why values are important to a yeah. company. Yeah, right. I was chatting to a friend of mine and she was saying that uh, she saw two companies dealing with a difficult decision-making issue. And it was so interesting. She said the company that had values and really understood them, they more or less compared the decision they needed to make to the value. It was just like that. They so really quick. Very fast. The others didn't have values articulated and they just went around and around in circles trying to work out what the decision should be. So I don't think people think so much about the importance of speed of decision-making that values actually contribute to. In fact, and I agree with that, it really does help. And not only just speed, but also clarity, certainty. Right. You can go, yeah, this doesn't work with our principles and it's that's it. There's none of that questioning, have I done the right thing, have I done the wrong thing? It's just we've done the thing that is guided by our by our values. I'm reminded of a t- 2008, I was running a leadership program and we have this leadership program. We had 50 examples, 50 anecdotes that we'd collected from within the organization up on the walls. 25 right. good ones, 25 bad ones. One of the leaders was sitting there. We were having a conversation after they'd read all these anecdotes. What did you notice about uh, about these anecdotes? And the leader was sitting there and he had his... He was leaning back in his chair. He had his hands behind his head. He was not engaging in the conversation at all. And after a while, I got, I was really intrigued. I invited him to make a comment, basically to break him out of this. Everyone, everyone had noticed that this senior executive was not engaged with the conversation. And he just turned the room and he said, I just can't get my mind out of these anecdotes and I'm trying to step back and you know what it's telling me? I'm looking, trying to look at this from the big picture and what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing here is that the 25 good anecdotes, to me that represents values well applied and the 25 bad ones, it just looks to me like they're rules poorly applied. And so if we pay more attention to our values and less to our rules, we are going to create a much more engaged workforce. And better leadership. What a good insight. I know. I was, I was sitting there going, okay, that was worth the wait. And I totally understand why he was pondering in, uh, in such a way. Yeah, right. That's fantastic. What a great, uh, a great little example. Okay, well, I think we probably should wrap things up because um, we, unless there's anything else we want to no, cover off uh, It's time to do some ratings. Of course. We've got to remember to do that. Yes, the ratings. And I'll take the first uh, rating. Uh, okay. It was your story. Uh, well, Jerry's story, uh, as collected by you. And I'm going to give it seven, a seven out of 10. I love the story. I can see how powerful it has been applied. I love that Jerry used it to achieve a great business result. Yes. And I can easily see how others could use that story as well. Yeah, good. Yeah, oh, look, I think I'll give it an eight, actually. I can see myself using it. I can see how our listeners might actually be able to use it. Not so much in the way Jerry used it, because that's their principle, but just to illustrate how values work. 
I think that's probably the one of the good uses. So eight out of 10 for me. Fantastic. Well, guys, I think we'll wrap things up. Great to um, have you on board again. Please, you know, uh, rate us on iTunes. We find that just helps people find us um, and more people we can sort of draw into this, the more people who get the benefit from having the, these stories in their back pocket. And you know, if you have a comment, you know, a story that you'd love us to share or, or to know about, yeah, jump on the podcast uh, page uh, on the website at anecdote.com and pop it in there and we'll be sure to respond to that and, and sort of uh, build that into the mix. So until next time, guys, thanks for listening to uh, Anecdotally Speaking and we'll have another show for you on how to put stories to work next week. Bye for now.